the main thing is just creating better experiences for people. There are many people who do study abroad, but there's not that many people who do it well. And there's not that many people who do it well and, and catered towards, you know, the African-American experience. When African-Americans go to Africa, there's different things that they want to do, right? There's a different experience. I'm trying to make those connections. It's not the, you know, let's go over there and help the poor African people. Oh, I mean, we may do right. some, you know, we may do some community service, but it's not like, you know, we're not going over there to save Africa. Whereas a lot of these other uh, uh, organizations, that's kind of like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to create more partnerships, more relationship-based um, activities. So people see, you know, w- when they go to Africa, they see, okay, these are our brothers and sisters. These are possible potential business partners. These are possible potential people we could, you know, end up going to school with. You know, we kind of want to cast the African continent in a different light. Yeah. And what could be done there in a different light. And that, that's why we chose to form things and, and do it the way we do Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Dr. Daniels as the guest. Dr. Daniels is a professor who earned all of his degrees from historically black universities, so Florida A&M University and Howard University to be specific, and currently he teaches at Florida A&M. And he's also the co-founder of a travel organization called Motherland Connect, which specializes in uh, creating more opportunities for black people to travel and to form connections and bonds with African people on the continent, hence Motherland Connect. (laughs) Um, So Dr. Daniels first went to Africa when he went to his friend's wedding in Nigeria some years ago. And over the past 10 years, he's been taking people on group trips to Africa, and that eventually evolved into him starting Motherland Connect with a friend of his who's actually based in South Africa. And so he told me all about how Motherland Connect came to be, uh, how successful it's been so far, uh, some of the challenges of of running this organization, Uh, of course, what he wants to see happen going forward. Um, What I've learned that I think is really great about Motherland Connect is that while HBCU students are a a pretty significant target demographic for them, you don't have to be an HBCU student or even a student at all to go on these trips. Pretty much anyone can go if they want. But I will say, if you are a college student, this is a nice alternative in that uh, these trips are shorter and less expensive than the traditional study abroad program, Uh, but you still get that emphasis on cultural immersion, on community service, and even on professional development, depending on what the trip is. So so yeah, I, I was really excited when Dr. Daniels reached out to me about being a guest on the show because I'd never heard about Motherland Connect before and I was really looking forward to learning about um, who they are and what they do and I hope you're looking forward to learning about that as well. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Dr. Christopher Daniels.
problem. No problem. Yeah. Um, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing great. Uh, just uh, relaxing. I'm actually up in Atlanta right now. Um, I just got finished meeting up with a group of people from Clark, Atlanta, um, talking about one of the trips. So everything's good. Okay. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. So thank you again for uh, rescheduling. Thank you also for agreeing or being interested in being a guest in the first place. I really appreciate you reaching out. Why don't we start with you uh, introducing yourself a bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, my, my, my name is Christopher Daniels. I'm from uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. I got my bachelor's and my master's from Florida A&M University, and I got my PhD from Howard University. I've been a professor for the last 10 years, and I teach international relations um, and a bunch of other courses along those lines. And mm-hmm. also, I also take groups. Uh, I've been taking groups uh, overseas, students, faculty members, staff, you know, people from all over. I've been taking people on uh, trips overseas for like the last 10 years as well. Wow. Okay. Great. And that, um, did that, is that something you started doing even before you helped found or co-founded Motherland Connect? Were you taking students on trips before then? Right. So I've been doing this for a long time. Um, Yeah. So, so I've been doing it uh, even before then. And then, you know, over time as, as a group, because at first, you know, interesting, you know, at first it wasn't really that many people who wanted to go. So it was kind of, it was almost me going and begging people to go, believe it or not. Right? <laughs> yeah. It sounds really funny now. But then, you know, over time, so many people started to want started to go that I felt like, hey, we need to make this more organized. And also, we wanted to make sure that, you know, people were getting the best experience possible. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to make sure we connected them to good charity, you know, charity events or, uh, you know, volunteer or opportunities, connect them to universities. You know, there's a lot of other opportunities. So. We wanted to maximize the opportunity, so that was the main reason of forming uh, Motherland Connect. Yeah, yeah. Why do you feel like pe- you you had to beg people to go? What do you think was the the resistance, or what um, kept people from wanting to go on the, those trips in the beginning? I think you know at first people just didn't. That was people's perception of Africa. A lot of people have a negative perception of Africa, mm. or they feel like it's not a place to go for vacation. They feel like okay. You know, there's nothing but poor people there and, you know, poverty and, you know, just a lot of negative stereotypes. So that's, that's why people didn't really want to go because they felt like, what was the point of going to Africa? Mm. There's nothing there to see, oh. which is crazy, but that's what people used to say. Right. Yeah. I was wondering, um, because I, I remember in the, the first email you sent, you said something about demystifying, uh, travel in the black community. So I, like, I was wondering what, what your angle was with that, but I guess part of it had to do with the perception of, what's in Africa, like you said, and I guess some people assume there's nothing there, no reason to go. Um, what is usually your response when, when people have that perception? I mean, so if, if people have that perception, I mean, honestly, I'll just show them some pictures or tell them about my experiences and kind of just try to change their mind. And then people start to realize, you know, the good thing is now, you know, uh, as technology has advanced, you have YouTube, you got Instagram, a lot of other things. So now people can actually see like, wow, there's a lot of beautiful places around the world. Yeah. So people who have like, you know, who travel and do blogs and vlogs and all that type of stuff, it really helps change people's perception of the world because now people realize that there's beautiful things to see all over the world. Mm, right. Right. And, and then also another thing, a lot of people are just concerned that it's way too expensive for them. So, you know, being able to show them like, hey, you know, this is affordable. Um, you know, you can make payments over time, you know, all the different things like that then that kind of helps to, to demystify travel because people think they just have to be like a multi-millionaire to be able to travel. But really, you know, if, if you plan accordingly, it's not that expensive. Yeah. 
So is that like one of the um, one of the aims of Motherland Connect is to make it affordable or more affordable for people who might be interested in going on these trips? Absolutely. Um, and that, 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 that's one of our principal tenets is to make it as as affordable as possible. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of people have been priced out of travel for a long time. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's just not right. Everyone deserves a chance to see the world, so we try to make things as affordable as possible. Yeah. And then, you know, while also making sure people have a good experience. Right. Okay. Well, I meant to, to to start off by asking uh, a little bit about you. I was curious about um, your own relationship to travel, like where that started for you traveling, um, especially traveling internationally. Could you tell me a bit about that? Right. So um, I've, I've traveled like my whole life ever since I was young. My parents kind of, you know, we traveled a lot. Both my parents are school teachers, so. Mm. During the summers, we always went somewhere. Um, in terms of international travel, besides like you know around the United States, the first time I went are like the the islands and you know basic stuff around here. The first time I you know I made like a, a transatlantic international trip was when I went to Nigeria. Mm. Um, one of my friends married a Nigerian girl, um, and that was an amazing experience. Um, so ever since, actually, ever since I went to that wedding, every year. I've, I've gone somewhere out the country, um, transatlantic. So somewhere mm-hmm. in Africa, somewhere in Asia, somewhere in Europe, somewhere over the world, all over the world. So I've been traveling for a good about, you know, 10 or 15 years now. So it's been a great experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, that adds to when you're when you're trying to, to speak to students and get them interested in these trips, you, you have a wealth of your own experience you can draw from um, when you're trying to tell them about the benefits of, of traveling. Right. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've seen firsthand what it does for me. Um, every time, you know how you put things on your resume, every time I'm in an interview or doing something, that's always the first thing that comes up. Oh, you went here or you did this or mm-hmm. something. People just notice overseas experiences. So um, it's greatly benefited my career, helped me help open up a lot of opportunities for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely want other people to have the same experience as well. In addition to that, I also had a lot of good times. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. You have a lot of fun and then also you get a good benefit from it. Right. You get to <laughs> experience all these things and have a good time. And then it also makes you look good on paper if you need it to. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you said you got, you, you went to FAMU. Is that where you said you got your degrees from? Yeah. So I got uh, my bachelor's and my master's from FAMU and my PhD from Howard. Okay, and then you're at FAMU now as a professor. Correct. Okay. I was wondering because um, I'm just thinking about when I was getting ready to go to college and my aunt was really trying to press upon me uh, the the value in going to an HBCU. And um, I didn't end up going to one, but uh, I guess I was wondering from your own perspective, since you, you've experienced it both as a student and as a, a faculty member, what makes the, the HBCU experience so special? And, and why is it something that you think more students should consider? I mean, it's a great experience because you know, it's a unique, it's a unique entity. So meaning that, you know, how many, how many entities in America is the president black, the vice president is black, you know, everyone, everyone from top to bottom is essentially black. Mm -hmm. So just having that experience is a very unique. And I think it's something that helps a lot of people because ultimately they get a chance to see leadership in themselves. Whereas at, at other universities, you may or may not see that, especially prior to, to, to recent times. You know, if you went to most universities, there are some people who graduated from college who never even had one black professor. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then in addition to that, even if they did maybe have one or two black professors, they certainly didn't have any black like administrators. So they didn't have black deans, black, you know, provosts, black presidents of the universities. So, you know, th- those high, high, high level officials uh, within the university, you know, you haven't seen that. So seeing black people in leadership, I think it's something that's always beneficial. And then also the content of the classes are, are tend to focus in more a lot more on the black experience. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's I think it's very beneficial for a lot of people. Um, it's not necessarily for everyone. You know, some people they may or may not like the HBCU experience. I mean, there, there's some there, there, there's some there's a lot of differences between HBCUs and other universities. But for some people, it's, it, it, it suits them. I think one thing that a lot of people don't think about is most HBCUs are very small, mm-hmm. meaning that they don't have you know crazy big populations, so you get a lot of individual attention. And then also most HBCUs, the professors actually teach the classes, whereas at a lot of um, non-HBCUs, mostly you're getting taught by graduate assistants. Mm. So, you know, there's a lot of differences in just the the functioning of the university. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I I don't uh, often think about, especially in terms of the whole, like, professor versus TA thing. From what it sounds like, you get a more, like, close connection to right. to professors and and faculty members, whereas there might be a little more distance when you're at like a you know a PWI or an institution that is a lot bigger. Um, okay, right. yeah, that's correct. And I'm wondering about, I mean, like study abroad is something that uh, I would assume most colleges and universities would encourage amongst their students. But I'm wondering how that functions how that goes at, um, well, I guess to, in specific terms, um, FAMU, you know, how is study abroad promoted there? Is that something that you know, the, the university wants its students to participate in? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The university definitely, definitely um, pushes study abroad programs. Uh, people are encouraged to. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that, that, that the university encourages. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it just depends you know, it, it really depends. There's, there's like a lot of different study abroad providers. Yeah. So it depends where you want to go, what you want to do, who you want to go with, things like that. Mm-hmm. But the university certainly um, does promote study abroad. Okay. And and where does um, Motherland Connect fit in all this? This is something that you obviously co-founded. Actually, actually, no, let me go back. What made you decide to start Motherland Connect when you did? And how did you go about um, co-founding it? How did it start? Right. So basically, um, the main thing is just creating better experiences for people. Um, mm-hmm. There are there are many people who do study abroad, but there are not that many people who do it well. And there's not that many people who do it well and, and catered towards, you know, the African American experience. Mm-hmm. So most of the most of the study abroad uh, providers, you know, that they're, they're really catering towards the white college students. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not really doing too much for the black experience. And that's what that, that that's why we created Motherland Connect was to make sure that when African Americans go to Africa, there's different things that they want to do, right? There's a different experience. Mm-hmm. It's more of a you know uh, trying to trying to make those connections. It's not the you know let's go over there and help the poor African people. Oh, I mean, we may do right. some you know we may do some community service, but it's not like you know we're not going over there to save Africa. Whereas a lot of these other uh, uh, organizations, that's kind of like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to create more of partnerships, more relationship-based um, activities. So people see, you know, w- when they go to Africa, they see, okay, these are our brothers and sisters. These are possible potential business partners. These are possible potential people we could, you know, 
end up going to school with. I mean, there's a lot of different things. So, you know, we kind of wanted to cast the African continent in a different light yeah. and what could be done there in a different light. And that, that's why we chose to form things and, and do it the way we do. Yeah. And and from what I could see, it, it looks like, you know, there's um, you're obviously based in the States. And then um, I guess your co-founder is, is based in South Africa, from what I could tell. Yes. Um, how did that relationship form to the extent that you were able to, to create this organization from, you know, separate continents? Right. So basically, we um, we met years back. Like I said, I've been taking groups to South Africa for many years mm-hmm. um, and we kind of just had a common vision. So she had spent some time in America. You know, I spent a lot of time in South Africa. So we had a lot in common. So we both could understand the environment that we both, you know, live in. So, mm-hmm. and what, what, what we really said was that, man, it's unfortunate that there are better connections between, you know, blacks in South Africa and black people in America. So that was really the main reason why we decided to work together because we could show them that, look, if me and her can, can form something together, then you could do it too. Right. You know, so we really wanted to form it as inspiration to other 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 people to come to Africa and not just come and visit, but come and start started, you know, a, a, a business, start this, start that and just create connections that that, that are long lasting. Mm. And do you feel like that's been really successful so far, so far that you've been doing this? Yeah, absolutely. I've been very successful. Um, we, we've, we've been very we've gotten a lot of people who are very excited about going to Africa because of the way we've been doing the trips, mm-hmm. right? So we plan them, the way we plan them, the activities, the way things go, people people see and they can they can appeal to it. So it just makes it more exciting. And then now we got such a huge demand that people want to go. So it's definitely been an overwhelming, amazing success. Yeah. And since, you know, part of your mission is forging those connections between people in Africa and then, um, you know, people here in the States, black Americans here in the States, do you tend to target HBCU students most? Is that um, the student population that you try to get involved the most? Right. So so the bulk of our people come from HBCUs, although, okay. you know, we're open to people from other schools and also alums, you know, other people. I mean, virtually anybody can go. Yeah. Uh, but our target market is typically HBCU students. So we get a lot of people coming from, obviously from FAMU, uh, from Howard, from Spelman, from Morehouse, from Clark Atlanta, um, Bethune, Cookman, a lot of Hampton, a lot of different universities. So Mm -hmm. we get people coming from um, a lot of HBCUs and also a lot of PWIs as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and can you just give me a rundown, like, for for example, like if you were taking a group of students to South Africa, um, what would a typical trip, a typical Motherland Connect trip to South Africa entail? Ooh, you would get to do a lot of things. So basically, <laughs> what, what, what we try to do is we try to cram, not, not cram, all right, we cram, we try to crush or, or implement uh, a lot of things into one, into one trip so you can say, okay, I've been there. I know South Africa. So we'll go to Nelson Mandela's house. You get a chance to see where he, where he was raised, where he grew up. You get to go all throughout Soweto and learn the history of the anti-apartheid movement and other things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we also go to, um, it's a it's a resort there called Sun City. It's like a really, really dope water park where you get to go there and have a relaxation. We go uh, to the Lion and Safari Parks. You get a chance to see lions and, you know, all the animals and things like that. We get a chance to go to a lot of different museums. So you get to see, learn about a lot of history, a lot of culture. Uh, so we just go so many different places. Um, we also always do a, a community service project. So we go either go to like an orphanage or a school. Um, this year we're working with an entrepreneurship program in South Africa. 
Mm. So we're going to sponsor some people um, to, to, to take entrepreneurship courses and we're going to go there and visit the school. So it's just so many things. Like It's like when you look back on the trip, you're like, man, I can't believe we did all this stuff in just one week because <laughs> uh, there's so many things that, that, that ends up going into that into right. that time frame. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, like you said, you, you do your best to make sure that uh, students get the most out of it when they go. So yeah. uh, they can't say that they're bored or anything. <laughs> no. That's one thing they will never say is they're bored or, or they don't have nothing to do. Yeah. They may say, I'm too... I've been ran around too much. They may say they're tired, but that's about it. They're not going to say they were bored. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. That's good. And I'm wondering, um, f- when you, well, do you personally go on every trip that you organize or um, do you like go every other trip? How often are you going on um, these Motherland Connect trips? Um, I, I don't go on every trip. I go okay. on a lot of them. It just depends. Okay. I mean, so uh, as I was saying before, we kind of rapidly expanded. So yeah, this year I've done three so far. I went to Colombia. Uh, I went to Thailand. And then I'm doing another one uh, in March coming up here to South Africa and Dubai. I'll actually two of them to South Africa and Dubai. So I am getting to the point where I'm starting to travel a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have other people uh, who go on the trips as well. So we have other leaders who can okay. do groups as well. Yeah. I asked that because I was wondering if, if you've been able to observe um, for the students who go uh, with Motherland Connect – do they tend to be students who are traveling outside of the country for the first time? Or these students who have, who have, who have you traveled internationally before? Um, the majority is their first time, especially okay. for the South Africa and Dubai trip. So the South Africa and Dubai trip is always during spring break time. Mm. So on that trip, it's usually people, it's their first time out the country and their first time traveling with us. On our other trips, they, it, you get a combination of different things. Mm-hmm. So you get you get um, some some people who have traveled a lot before. You just get a lot of different combinations with the other trips. Okay. All right. When you come back from those trips, uh, is there, like, any sort of, like, gathering after you've returned where you, like, debrief or discuss reflections or, or that sort of thing after the trip is over? Absolutely. So after we come back, we always... We always allow people to give a presentation on their campuses or wherever mm-hmm. um, so they can share their experience. They can show people their pictures. And then because what we want is we want to inspire other people to go. Yeah. Because what, what happens is, and that's part of the demystifying process is that when I see, okay, one of my friends went, now I believe I can go. Because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know if I can go. I can't afford it. You know, just mm-hmm. all these type of things. And then once they see what you went, then they see your pictures. Then next thing you know it, they're going. So... We always, when we come back, always have uh, after sessions for people to share their experience. Mm, okay. Nice. And, and is this, um, because this is a, a tour company, right? Um, are these trips eligible for, like, academic credit to count toward, like, their their degree or to count as an official study abroad experience? Um, no, um, because the ones we do, they're short term. Okay. So they're not the long ones. Um, and I have done. And, and I do do um, like long term study abroad where you could actually get credit. Yeah. But a lot of people prefer to, a lot of people prefer to do the shorter term ones because they're less expensive. Right. So when you do the longer ones that have credit and this, that, and the other, it adds you know, up. They, 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 yes, it starts adding up. So mm-hmm. honestly, for a lot of people, it's just not worth it yeah. um, for them. So they'd rather just, because really you could do two trips for the price of one if with, with credit. Um, so, and then a lot of people also don't have the, they can't be out of the country for that amount of time. Right. 
Okay. Okay. And you, you mentioned that you recently went to Atlanta to, uh, you get students interested in going on future trips. Uh, how does that, um, usually go? Like, what do you typically tell students? Do you have like a presentation that you do each time you go to visit a campus? How does that go? Yes. So, so, um, so I have a presentation that I usually give to talk about who we are, what we do, and, the, you know, what to expect on the trips, and just all the details that you need. And then, honestly, the biggest thing is just allowing people to ask questions because, mm-hmm. you know, international travel is something that a lot of people may or may not be that familiar with. So they usually have a lot of questions that they want to ask. So I'm just here to listen um, and answer their questions. Yeah. So it basically becomes a big Q&A session. The good, the good thing is now at a lot of these schools – we already have people who have traveled with us before, so mm-hmm. they end up answering a lot of questions. So a lot of times, to be honest, I really, have, I really don't have to do anything but just kind of sit there and just, <laughs> just be in the room. That's it. You know? okay. so it's really dope sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some questions that come up often when you do these, these info sessions? People always ask me about how to get a passport, mm-hmm. uh, what vaccines they need. Just a lot of questions about health, a lot of questions about being out the country obviously financial questions about how much it costs and you know how can they pay and this and that and the other mm-hmm. um, but those are, those are the main questions then of course people want to know like what they should wear and what to expect <laughs> right. you know, all that type of stuff but yeah. you know we, we kind of get to that secondary so first serious questions are passport clothes uh, cost and then then people are like alright so what are we going to do <laughs> where, where, what am I going to wear you know yeah. just people who make spreadsheets for their outfits for the trips I mean it's just very Oh, very, wow. very, very interesting and really cool how, how, how excited people get about what they're going to wear to the trips. Yeah. And, and people really come out there stepping. So it's, uh, it's definitely interesting. <laughs> definitely interesting. Yeah, got to be dressed for the occasion. <laughs> got to be dressed for the occasion. <laughs> it's mandatory. Yeah. I just want to you know, if, if, you, if you've attended or ever went and hung out at HBCUs, you know how our people dress. Mm. Every day, you know, girls dress up going to class, guys dress up going to class. So it's part of the HBCU culture is dressing up. So mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't change when we go overseas. It's the same thing. Oh, my goodness. That is wonderful. <laughs> that is so unique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned, so you mentioned, obviously, South Africa. You mentioned Dubai and other countries as well. What was it that, um, obviously, like, connecting black students here to Africa is like the main focus, but what made you all want to expand and do trips to other countries as well? Was there a demand for those specific countries or? Yes, it, it was okay. just demand. So, so basically the original concept, which, which came up with the name is motherland connect. So mm-hmm. I basically wanted to connect people to the African continent. So my original plan was just to bring a bunch of people to Africa. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was fine with that, but then I started realizing that man, people want to go everywhere. Yeah. So, why, why not just take, you know, young group, groups of young or young professional or not even so young, whatever, groups of black people all over the world. Mm-hmm. And what you'll find is that it's just so rare. I mean, you know, we're, we're in Thailand with 25 black people. These people have never seen, you know, a group of black people with that many black people in Thailand mm-hmm. or in China or other places like that. So everywhere we go, people are like, wow, you know, this is a group of, of black people because we're not the typical people who travel. Mm. So it's amazing. So now we literally are going everywhere, all over, not everywhere, but many places all over the world and people just love it. Yeah. Uh, what do you, what do you think? I mean, I'm sure you get tons of feedback, um, especially with the, all the different trips you do, but what do you think has come up most often in terms of what, 
what students feel like they they come away from the experience with like what what do they leave the experience feeling that they gained from from the trip most people say it just changed their life they 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 they, they never they never saw the world the way they saw it until they actually left the country yeah so you know a lot of people have never left the country so it's like wow i didn't know there was so much out there Mm-hmm. I didn't know the world was so big. And then, like, once they get, once they get that feeling, it's just, it's just a feeling about travel. You know, people who travel a lot, mm-hmm. they understand that feeling. And once you kind of catch that travel bug mm-hmm. and you get used to traveling, yeah. like, you can't shake it. It's just something that becomes a part of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you end up really, really, really traveling as much as possible. Yeah. Okay. And I know you said it's only a week and you try to keep, uh, keep the participants busy. Um, but have you had any issues in terms of people – being homesick or having to go home early, any anything like that? Um, not not really. I mean, some people do get somewhat homesick. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it it just depends. Okay. You do get you do get a little bit of that. It just depends on the person because some people just traveling is not for everyone. So there are definitely some people who are not up to travel and and what it really takes. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, you know, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people. It's fine, but yeah. you know you do get you do get every now and then a couple of people who just it's tough for them to be out the country. So, but no one ever went home early. Okay, it's definitely tough for some people. Okay, and do you get a lot of return students, like students who go on one trip and want to go to, on another one with you all as well? Uh, absolutely. I mean, okay. that's that's the majority. Oh, okay. Once people once people go once, they come right back. So, <laughs> yeah, literally. Literally, we'll have a trip, and then the next one will literally just sell out from people from the other trip. Wow. Um, from previous trips. So, yeah. So, because, like I said, we keep the prices affordable. We keep right. them in a reasonable range. So, and basically, like, people can say, look, this is going to be my trip for the year, and then I'm going to go with them again next year or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Um, or some people even make multiple trips. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. So, it's definitely a great thing. So, we become a family. Like, literally, all of them are like, are like my family. So I know them and we get excited, like, oh, we're about to link up again. And yeah. whenever I come to Atlanta, I see them or whatever city I'm in, we all link up. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a good experience. Like one of them, um, one of the people went to South Africa and Dubai with me. I went to Howard Homecoming this year and we linked up at Howard Homecoming. Like, mm-hmm. It's like it's become a family. So right. no matter where we are, we're all family. Wow. That's so good. That must feel really nice to um, know that you're not only impacting um, these students, but you're also staying connected and you're forming this, um, like this community centered around, you know, this this initiative that you're doing. That must be a really nice feeling. Yeah, it's a wonderful feeling. I mean, it's very, very, very fulfilling to be able to have these relationships with people like all over the country and all over the world. Yeah. That's always the most amazing part of the whole, whole thing. Yeah. For sure. And, and I'm wondering, I know like HBCU students are like a, a big target. You said it's open to, to people beyond that. But is it is it strictly for students or is there like an age, like a cutoff in terms of age? Or can anyone participate in these trips if they want to? Yeah, no, anyone can participate. Okay. Um, the, the, the spring break trips is mainly students, but it's right. also a lot of people who work at the university. So oh, okay. professors go, you know, staff go, you know, my, my friends go. I mean, a lot of people go. So. No, you don't have to be in school. Um, mm-hmm. And then some of our trips are more older people even than students. It is the spring break trip is the one like we kind of most famous for. Mm-hmm. Those people kind of, you know, see on Instagram all the time and stuff like that. Yeah. But the other trips we have, or even the spring break trip, a lot of people go who are not in college. So you don't have to be currently in college. You can be an alum. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can be old, you know, old or young. I, I, I had an 80-year-old guy 
uh, on a trip last year. So oh, wow. that just shows you. So if you're younger than him, you can go. <laughs> I mean, if someone 80 years old can go you can go right uh, you know so I've taken people from 18 to 80 literally yeah. I literally had a trip where a guy just turned 18 and the other dude was 80 so it just shows you that look any any age range can go that's amazing wow mm-hmm. 80 years old wow mm-hmm. um I'm, I was wondering for you since you um you go on these trips sometimes, but you're also behind the scenes as well as a co-founder and, and whatever other um, organizational things you have to take care of. I'm wondering um, if there are, you know, what types of challenges do you face keeping this thing going? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very difficult uh, to, to plan and organize trips for hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could just imagine. I mean, I always tell people, like, look, this thing about trying to plan a trip with your friends to go to homecoming or try to go to a football game or mm-hmm. even go to a nightclub. Yeah. You're going to get people who, oh, I'm supposed to go, and then they forget, and, you know, just <laughs> all, the, all the things, and then trying to get people to pay on time, and, you know, things right. like that. It just, it's just, it's tremendously challenging. Um, it's very, 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 very difficult, but, um, you know, you just get better at it year after year after year, mm-hmm. um, but it is, it is very, very, very difficult. I tell people this is a very, very challenging thing, um, especially when we're dealing with large groups of people mm-hmm. and a large amount of people. It's very, very, very difficult, but it's a labor of love because at the end of the day, when it's all done, it's a wonderful experience. Yeah. So then is that what keeps you going is knowing how valuable these experiences are and how passionate you are about the mission? Absolutely. So, yeah. Okay. So just, just seeing people's face when they first touch down on the African continent and just are wherever we end up going when mm-hmm. they first see Dubai. I mean, just, you know, because sometimes you just, you know, I've traveled so much. Sometimes I kind of forget. Yeah. But, you know. The first time you you like, man, I'm in Dubai or man, I'm in South Africa. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a big deal. This is not too many people can say they've been to Dubai or I've been to South Africa or I've been to London or I've been, you know, to Egypt. Like you're really doing things that a very, very, very small amount of people in this world have ever done. So mm-hmm. being able to help make that happen is definitely just a blessing, something that, that I'm truly grateful to be able to be a part of. Yeah. You you've probably already touched on it a bit, uh, but in terms of students who are coming from HBCUs who go on the, these trips, especially going to South Africa, um, I know HBCU at HBCUs, you know, they put more emphasis on knowing about your history, knowing your heritage, and having pride in that. How do how does going to South Africa, for instance, add on to that concept of their identity that they already have um, coming from HBCUs? Right. So basically, just just being able to connect with the continent of, of which you originate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think it's definitely something that's, that's amazing. So um, a lot of people will love it. And then especially like, you know, just being in the country where you're the majority, that where yeah. you are, you are, you, everyone who, everyone who's in power looks like you. So mm-hmm. there's nobody, there's no one in power who doesn't look like you. So it's just very, very empowering and it helps you to, to, to have pride in your identity. Because yeah. you see that you can run things um, and, and you, you could be anything that you want to be. Right. Yeah, that, that is really valuable. I don't think uh, people, I think more so now people people see the value in it more now. But I remember when I was, when I was coming up, you know, graduating from high school, and I don't know if this, if this is something you still hear sometimes, but sometimes I would hear like, 
oh, well, you're just going to be around black people all the time. You're not going to be prepared to deal with the real world. You're not going to be able to be prepared to deal with uh, white people, frankly, in professional academic settings after university. But um, which to me never makes sense because it's like you're still you still live in America. So it's not like you never see white people anymore after you go to HBCU. Um, But also, as you mentioned, there's value and also being able to be in a place where you are the majority and to imagine what that looks like and what what's possible you know um i hope i didn't just go on a tangent but what you just said reminded me of of that you know that that thinking that hbcus kind of they hold students back in a way and that's something i've never really agreed with even though i never went to one myself um and, and then I'm wondering for, for you, how do you balance, you know, because you're a professor, you have you have duties as part of your your job. How do you balance that and Motherland Connect at the same time? <laughs> I mean, it can be difficult. Um, so basically, most of the trips are during like the summer or during times where, 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 where class is not in. Mm-hmm. So and then sometimes when I can't get away, that's when other people will do the trips. Yeah. And then just, you know, after the, all the logistics and stuff. Just handle it after work or just, you know, on the weekends or something. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work, but, you know, it, it, it's beneficial. Yeah. And so I know it's you and the, your co-founder who is in South Africa. And then uh, besides you two, do you have a, a staff? Um, we, we have, yeah, we, we have a lot of people who help us out. We have brand ambassadors. We have staff. We have a lot of different people. So um, we have people all over, all over America mm. um, chipping in. So it's not, it's not really just me, you know. Um, you know, we, we kind of got it started myself and my founder, but, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people behind the scenes who, who do a lot, a lot of great work to mm-hmm. make sure things things go well. Yeah. Okay. And, and you mentioned earlier about you know one of your tenets is making it affordable for people, and one of those things, uh, one of the things that makes that possible is keeping the trips shorter. Um, I was wondering if if there's any. Th- Thing else that you do or any other angle you try to go at it with in terms of making um, these experiences affordable for people who want to participate in them? I mean, so definitely, you know, um, having traveling with a group always makes it less expensive and then mm-hmm. also keeping just the time down. So having like, you know, larger groups kind of help, helps keep the calls down and then also keeping the time, the time frame down. Those are all things that help. And then also, we also help people on how to like kind of fundraise for their trips. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of people, they get like friends and family or other people to help pay for their trips. So that's one thing that, that we really do is help try to help people offset the cost by teaching them how to ask people for money. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of them, a lot of them are very successful. Yeah. And I was telling them like, look, man, find a hundred people and ask them for $20 or, you know, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. just, just do whatever you can do to get, to, to, to get as much money as you need, you know, Make a plan. We just t- we just teach them to make a plan, and then find a way to come up with the money. Because there's a lot of people out there who are willing to help you, and willing to give you money for something positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're doing something that's amazing. Something that maybe, especially older people, you know, maybe they didn't have a chance to travel when they were your age. So, you know, they definitely would contribute and help you out. So, yeah, you know, you just have to ask. Right. Is that something that um, that you find is difficult for students to do at first? Having to ask people for money even though it is for something that's incredibly beneficial and and important is that something that's difficult for for students to do for some people it is um okay. for some people it is but for most people it's not i mean okay. there, there's 
honestly, if you're a college student, I'm sure you're asking somebody for money at some point. <laughs> that's, that's part right. of the collegiate, collegiate <laughs> experience. You know? yeah. I, I can see if, you know, if, if these are like, you know, full, you know, fully working adults and then yeah. asking for, for, for some money is different. But as a college kid, right. I'm sure at some point you've asked someone for money. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's, it's nothing outside of that. It's just what you're asking for is slightly different. But, you know, that's it. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I know you said you're you're in a phase right now where you're expanding, you're growing. I'm wondering um, for you personally, what is kind of your vision going forward for Motherland Connect? What would you like to happen or what would you like to do um, beyond all the amazing things that you're already doing right now? So we're definitely we're definitely uh, creating more more trips. So we want to basically have one trip every month coming up, um, Mm. maybe in 2021 or 2022. Uh, we also want to have a lot more forums and meetings on campuses where we come and talk about the importance of international travel, what you can do with the experience, and connecting them with careers and jobs. Mm-hmm. And also, I want to do a lot of internships. I want to give people a lot of internships in Africa. Mm-hmm. So I want, I want them to get a chance to go over and spend time working and things like that. So we're trying to expand into a lot of, a lot of internships, a lot of conferences, a lot more uh, on campus events and then ultimately a lot more trips. So yeah. that, that's the vision of where we'll be um, over the next, you know, couple of years. Okay. And, and is there a, a way for people to get involved beyond going on the trips? Like if they want to volunteer, if they want to donate or to help in some kind of way, um, is there a way for people to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, pe- people who, who would like to donate, um, they can reach out to us. Um, our email is info at motherlandconnect.org. Mm-hmm. They can they can donate to some of our projects, community service projects, or they can donate to help, you know, help maybe sponsor some students to go on a trip. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, we always we're always looking for people to volunteer to be campus ambassadors. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, yeah. hey, I want to create more international experiences on my campus that cater towards, you know, the black experience, you can be a campus ambassador for it. So you can reach out, you know, email us or DM us on Instagram and become a campus ambassador at your university. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or, or not necessarily university, even, you know, your organization, if you're in a fraternity or sorority or whatever type of organization, you know, we're always looking for ambassadors in different s- sectors and segments of society. Right, right. So obviously, since you're advocating for international travel, you're advocating for people to participate in Motherland Connect. You're answering questions all the time about traveling. You, you know, you probably um, give out all sorts of advice. Um I'm just wondering, just off the top of your head, based on your own personal experiences and your experiences uh, leading this organization, do you have any, you know, pieces of advice you'd give to someone who's looking to study abroad or just to to travel more? Is there anything that you would say to to encourage them or inform them? Yeah, I would say just basically just do your homework before you go. So read up a lot about the country, read about its history, learn about its culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, watch a lot of YouTube videos, read a lot of books or journal articles. Yeah. See if you can meet people who are from those countries. Try to connect with some people on Instagram. Um, and just do your homework before going into just plan accordingly financially. So make sure you have your finances in line and have backup plans and, you know, all this and that. But those are really the main things. So just knowing kind of knowing what to expect going in. Right. Um, and then having your finances together and just having your life life in order um, mm-hmm. to be able to be able to be able to be out the country and enjoy it. These are things that, that I always suggest. Yeah. Okay. 
And is there anywhere that you are looking to go? Just you know, some somewhere that you are personally interested in, in going to uh, for your own like leisure for your own interests. Mm, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm still trying to decide. I think I'm gonna go. I think I, I might do Zimbabwe this year uh, okay. or Zambia. Uh, so I'm, I'm considering those places as kind of my leisure vacation this summer. Mm. Just depending on how things go, we'll see. Okay. Well, I hope you do get to to go to either of those places. I feel like that would be a wonderful experience. Um, so I hope things work out so that you can go. Um, well, great. Um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you again for being flexible because uh, earlier this week was just um, – not working out for me personally. So I'm glad that we were able to finally uh, get together and talk. And I I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. It was re- really nice getting to hear about what you're doing. Um, yeah, it's dope. Yeah. Now, I was going to say, uh, is, is there is there a way that um, I can like, get people on my website? or? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Where Where is my head at? Yes. Last question I ask everybody that um, I thank you for reminding me is where can people um, reach you or keep up with you online? Definitely. So uh, our website is www.motherlandconnect.org. Mm-hmm. So motherlandconnect.org. And then on Instagram is motherlandconnect underscore. Okay. So you can find us there. And on Facebook, motherlandconnect underscore as well. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for your time. This has been really great, and I hope you enjoy. um, Shoot, what day? Is today Friday? Today's Friday. Today's Friday. Okay, well, then have a great weekend. (laughs) All right, have a good weekend as well. Yes, you too. And there's just, there's an X, like, at the far right next to your name. You can just X out of that when you're ready, and I'll be in touch. All right, talk soon. Okay. Bye, Dr. Daniels. All right. Talk to you later. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Dr. Daniels for being such a wonderful guest. And I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook and at YG Abroad on Twitter. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast on pretty much all major platforms. And you're welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher while you're at it. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad.com at gmail.com so for the next episode in two weeks the guest is going to be someone who refers to herself as a third culture kid Um, so she's originally from Canada but for a time she also grew up in parts of Africa and Europe and even after returning to Canada she's been to a ton of places since then and even earned a graduate degree abroad as well. So you can look forward to hearing all about her in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time. Oh,